together to share these moments, joy and happiness. So special. You get your red light on? Red light's on. All right. Good. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Brooks McDonald Show. I've got my good friend Tyler Milky here We're with here. me today. <laughs> um, having some great conversations all over the board. If you stick with us, that's um, if you want to know what it's about, it's about having conversations about being um, Christians in the world and in business and in mm-hmm. life and how do we manage through those things. And we sit and have some deep conversations, some all over the place conversations about about those things. And uh, today is one where you see a lot um, in the motivational world about self-talk and how you view yourself, how do you um, talk to yourself. Now, some people talk to themselves more than others, I guess. Do you, Tyler? I'm one. Do you, do yeah, you talk for sure. Yourself? I talk to myself all the time. I just caught you talking to yourself a minute ago. I was like, <laughs> Tyler, are you talking to me? I was like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. dude, I, I have an inner monologue all the time. My hearing's <laughs> terrible, man. Yeah. I, can't, I, I can't hear you. Yeah. Um, but especially when we think of not only our faith walk, but uh, psychologically, when you do something wrong or bad, what is the inner dialogue that you have with yourself about yourself? And usually, as adults, we just don't even pay any attention to it. It just happens. Yeah. You know, and, and all of a sudden, all of these past behaviors, past life experiences are breeding into and building this dialogue that you're having. And if you don't call yourself to that attention, you'll never even notice it. It just kind of happens on its own. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's just some different, uh, advisors, uh, what, what do we say? Like, um, professionals in the, in these arenas that say there's even some studies that have been done that there was, a if I remembered his name, it would help, but he was working with athletes and there was some athletes that were underperforming and he basically worked with them to say, Hey, minds, our minds are very sharp and smart and they catch on to, um, to misleading statements easy if we're not Mm -hmm. telling ourselves what we view as the truth. Mm -hmm. So that's why sometimes when we try to have positive statements about ourselves, or if you kind of, come on, speak highly of yourself. (laughs) You're, I am kind, I is special, (laughs) I is important. All those things, your mind can catch on to that. Be like, hold on just a second. That's a little strong. I might've been popping that mic a little heavy. (laughs) I think you're good. Um, But all of those happening, your your brain can say, oh, hold on, but it can't decipher that old negative talk. So he worked with athletes to say, what if you just stopped speaking negatively of yourself? The, the whole point starts with the thought that you're thinking negatively, but the statistics show that if the words exit your mouth mm-hmm. and you say negative words, the chances of your failure in whatever endeavor you're on like magnify by a thousand percent. So your chances There's something to like you hearing that's right. hearing those things and your yeah. brain processing them. So your chances right? of success in a department greatly increase if you just don't let negative words leave your mouth. So it was a guy that was making terrible it was just his three throw free throw percentage was terrible. And he was not making any shots. And if when he stopped speaking negatively of himself, that led him down the road of what is he thinking about? What are the thoughts he's having about himself individually? And how is that bleeding into his life and experience? And, you know, man, even with kids, right? You know, we both have little kids. 
and you watch that and they're observers, they're little sponges. And I see either videos or whatever. They actually, I watched the video of a kid last night who had really heard his parents say a few words, <laughs> four letter <laughs> words. And he was walking Uh-oh. through the room just like, ah, 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 <laughs> you know, like spitting it out. Mm. Um, they catch on. And that's one thing that's generational. A lot of times is how do you view yourself? How do you talk to yourself? And um, that scares me more than anything is when I, my kid says something, I'm like, oh, shoot, did I say that to you? Wow. Yeah. I can't believe I said that to you. Yeah. And, and it scares me of like, how how is that going to follow you through the rest of your life? Because I might have gotten mad and slipped up and and said something that you as, as, as a young child can't process. Yeah. You know, I think it, it correlates into like, even us as adults, we're talking to ourselves and we're pro- we say negative things to ourselves and beat ourselves up. And even if we say, no, it's fine. I'm just kind of thinking your brain is processing this in a way that maybe you your 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 subconscious, your soul, like your your inner being cannot necessarily deal with. And, yeah. and there's there's just something there that there's that this, can manifest into actually how you live and how you yeah. act. Yeah, there's a science behind even that they say that the brain cannot decipher between fake and reality. What it's given and what it takes in, um, it can't really process. That's what it goes with. Now I'm like, I've watched a lot of scary movies. I hope my brain knows that there's not a killer coming after me, (laughs) you know, so I can't really understand some of that piece, but I do think there's something too. How do you think? And I just, you can find yourself. I I know you would as well as I would be like, man, what an idiot. Come on, Brooks. You know, some of those moments, worst place for me would be the golf course. God, you know, I mean, I just, (laughs) that's not a peaceful time for you. (laughs) at times. Yeah. I feel like someone thinks that they need a doctor riding alongside this mental patient that's uh, playing on the golf course, but you'll, I would find too, that's what the, we call swing thoughts in golf is when you address the ball, what's going through your head in that moment. If you're worried about, man, I'm going to transfer my hips incorrectly. My arms aren't going to transfer right. Or you get off on some weird yeah. pattern and all of a sudden you, I duff it. I dig a six inch hole behind the ball mm-hmm. and it goes two feet because of your thoughts. Yeah. And I've how, had those back swings where you're like, Oh, this ain't gonna work, and it never works. Yeah, you know, like if if that thought just pops into your head, I mean, how it affects all the physical parts of your body and your swing and everything else. Yeah, and so then that feeds to us as Christians to also think about how God views us. And Tyler, you were kind of making a point, a conversation about that. Yeah, yeah, we were we were talking about this last week of, you know, if you if you think negatively of yourself uh, or even positively yourself, like have you ever actually sat down and said? God, how do you see me? Yeah. You you created me, right? right? You you know the innermost parts of me even though I can't even fully understand everything about myself. Mm-hmm. Um but God, how do you see me and really sitting down and taking the time to to ask that and listen um instead of just assuming we know who we are perfectly, he might show us something about ourselves that that we didn't realize. And it could be something simple. It could be I lo- you know, you're loved. I see you as curious. Yes. You know, I see you as an encourager. Um, and and you know, we can if we want to get out of these ruts of beating ourselves up and and having these 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 thoughts run through our heads, taking some time to just stop and go, God, how do you see me? And putting the focus back on him, I think will always realign ourselves into a more a, a healthier place. I mean, yeah. that we could easily go, okay, you know 
just just don't say bad things about yourself, which right. I think is a is a good step. It's a good start. There, that's a that's a practical thing you can do. And then it's you know take the step of well, just start saying positive things about yourself. Sure. But the ultimate truth is always going to be, God, tell me how you see me. Yeah. Because that's what's going to resonate in a in a more truthful matter than us trying to not say good bad things or borderline lie to ourselves in some regard mm-hmm. or try to want to you know saying things that we want to be rather than maybe who we are at right. times yeah um no i i'm with you there i mean well and uh it just uh maybe to um pop back to what i was saying i think i wrote something down here in 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 a note um but it was it this is just kind of a thought along the lines of you know the things we deal with this, but how often do we allow our minds to stop us from moving forward in the calling that God has for us? Yes. You know, we, we talk negatively to ourselves Yeah, and we go, Oh, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm not good at this. Yeah. When really God positioned us to be in a place, um, to, to, uh, to do that thing. Yeah. And maybe we're in a learning place and we need to give ourselves some grace and going back to God and, and being like, how do you see me? will realign us into that. I'm, I, I can do this. I'm, I'm beating myself up too much. Um, yeah. And I mean, a segue that I would take is into, you know, we had our a guest preacher at, um, at our church yesterday, and he was telling the story of um, the Australian, well, Korean. Was, yeah. The Australian, Korean, Southerner. Southerner. <laughs> did was, he do that? Did oh, he do yeah. That, that was the, so okay. good. I went and Saturday night. He, but he was talking about Jesus calming the storm and yeah. how. The um, disciples were worried sitting there, and I'm I can like come on, Jesus is on the boat, you shouldn't be worried. But you take yourself out in the middle of the ocean, waves hitting, storms brewing. You think, oh my gosh, I totally made a mistake to be out here at this time. And the whole time, Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat, and there was a discussion amongst them, maybe even who should wake him up, you know, and which one should be the guy to do it. And then finally they wake him up and he angrily, you know, comes up, just says, quiet, be still. And then he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith or do you have no faith? And I I went down this rabbit hole in my head as he was talking about that, because sometimes, as I've said on here before, Jesus has a tendency to had a tendency to speak in a lot of parables. You'd ask him a direct question. He'd tell you a story about something. And you're like, I just really need the answer, Lord, you know, but he would use that opportunity to tell you a very deeper meaning around it. And ultimately, when he says, do you not have faith? It also just, I think, bears to witness, were they fearful or or where was their victory? Because I thought about it, I've done this review. I looked up all of the all of the disciples. Where did they end up? All but one were martyred. There's only one that lived to be old true? age. Wow. All of the rest were killed or martyred. And so ultimately, he can tell them, "Do you not have faith?" Because in this moment in the storm, he calmed it. But that wasn't true for the rest of their lives. They all ended up dying for the cause, basically, and were murdered. And you imagine the torture things they were put through. One was hung upside down on the crucifix because uh, when he was crucified, because he didn't want to be crucified like the Lord was. I mean, that's the men that Jesus had ultimately built. And so it all of a sudden took me more to like, I've watched those um, Navy SEAL documentaries on Bud's training and how they mentally prepare these guys to to go into battle. And ultimately it makes them, I've listened to a bunch of SEALs speak at different events. And they say, it's not about 
whether you're crazy or not, every SEAL is a certain level of crazy. They just have to make sure you're not too crazy because you have to be able to obey orders. But in, ultimately, they do all these different tests, uh, underwater events and everything. And one of them is a pass-fail. You have to swim to the bottom of like this 30-foot pool, which a good buddy of mine works on Coronado Island, swam in that pool the other day. He's like, dude, it is deep. You have to swim to the bottom on one breath and do these knot tying tests. And then once the um, once the inspector is down there, gives a nod, you go up. And this one guy was about to fail. Like he was going to be kicked out. It's a pass fail. Had one more try. And while he was down there tying, he passes out, um, you know, basically drowns underwater. And they these guys are on him quickly. They pull him up, do these sternum rubs and everything to get him back. And as soon as he sat up, he looked at them and said, did I pass or did I fail? And they said, you passed. Now, he didn't even tie the knot right. But the whole point of that training is that he chose to die for the cause rather than get it right. And that's ultimately the training that SEALs are doing all the time, that you're, you turn your brain off to, am I going to die? They actually get the excitement of, will I die or not? It's just, that's the warriors that they create. And so I think about Jesus. Now, Jesus wasn't necessarily testing them in the same way, but there was all these experiences where they watched him as a leader step out in front and show no fear and show faith in those moments. And ultimately, I think it changed them over time. I don't know if even Judas in the moment, I don't know if Judas died before Jesus died, but even in this moment, I'm realizing none of the disciples predeceased Jesus. And it's an interesting idea to think that the, as the leader, that he led from the front, he led the way. Now, from a salvation perspective, you know, we, we got the Holy Spirit, he resurrected, that was our forgiveness of sin. But as a leader of those individuals, for them to watch, to say, man, what does it mean? And, and truly for us as Christians, it's to take us to the idea that what's the ultimate challenge? There's victory on either side, even in death. We are victors. We know the outcome. We know who's going to win. So why would we walk around in our lives so deep-rooted in fear and negative thoughts all the time? And we do. It's easy to say. It's easy to talk about. I'm one of the worst. Um, One, because we fail a lot. We sin a lot. We make bad decisions. But we know that we have grace. We know that if You've accepted Jesus in baptism and, and, and confessed that you have, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit and as well as forgiveness. But it's just so easy in this world to get consumed by that. So went off on a tangent there for a minute, but it's important for us to really, I, I was interesting, it was the first time yesterday that I thought of the aspect of it wasn't about, because he did, he even preached, he talked in the sermon about how you know, I'm the creator of the waves. Of course, it's going to calm down. I'm the one that created all this, and I'm on behalf of that. Of course, it's going to happen. But we have the benefit of hindsight in that story. If you were there with Jesus as a human, you don't know what lessons yeah. coming. I mean, Lord, some of the predecessors got swallowed by a whale. Yeah. You don't know <laughs> where true. the storyline may go. Yeah. Um. And so, how he's training us to say. Fear is not the answer. And I don't mean that in a political statement. You see this whole faith over fear conversation. There's also a thing called common sense, you know, that we have to guide ourselves. And that comes in wisdom, which mm-hmm. is a whole nother different conversation. Don't go run up your credit card and think God's going to pay it off. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or don't go, you know, um, 
from a even a I don't want to make it about pandemics or diseases, but there's certain places you know it's probably not healthy to go, even cleanliness yeah. things Use your brain. that you could you know be put in a bad situation. But I think there's something to be said. Like you're talking that it's not about the destination; it's about the journey, which is yeah. it's, it's such a kind of corny thing to say. But I think really God wants relationship with us and a journey with us. Yeah. We shouldn't be so concerned about where we're going yeah. or how how necessarily we're going to get there. Just God's got us, yeah. and we're going to get there. And maybe, and a lot of times, let's be honest, that the destination is this thing we've put in our head or we've built up that we think we're going to get to, and it almost never really works out that way. It almost never looks the way that we thought it was going to look. Yeah, but somehow, while we're journeying with God. We we get to the point where we're happy and content, and He's brought us to that place. And hopefully, as we go and as we journey, we can become more and more content with where we're at. Um, just just peaceful in His presence, yeah. and not fearful for yeah. everything going on around us, because we know that even in death, even in anything, He's going to take care of us because He's a gracious, yeah. merciful you know, loving God. Right. And he's not concerned about where we're going or, or any of that stuff. He just wants relationship with yeah. us now in the present. And, you know, revisiting the statement of how, if we look at how God views you, and you say, you say ask that, but even when we think about how does God speak to us today, Scripture's one place. And if you go and sit in Scripture and figure out how does, how does God look at me, well, he calls you his own. You know, he's, you are made in his image. Yeah. That you, says a you lot are right loved. There. Yeah. All of these things, Jesus looks, God looks at us in, in adoration. One and two, we mirror the son that he put on this earth to die. We're covered by that and that grace. And so why do we, of all people, get so caught up in something when the one we set out to serve looks at us in forgiveness? You can even have a story about sometimes with your sound stuff and maybe yeah, how I mean, frustrating dude, that could be. I, I've I've lived this a thousand times. I mix and do do audio for for churches, and there has been a multitude of mixes that I'm like, wow, that was amazing. It was great. I had a great time. Like it just it all clicked. It was incredible. But I have had my fair share of that was horrible. Yeah. It just was a wall of loudness, like loud crap. And <laughs> why why was it bad? And it was so it was awful. I didn't feel good about it. I, you know, did I get in the way of somebody's worship tonight? Like just really beating myself up. Oh, maybe I can't do this. Like I should have been better. I should have known that. I da, 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 da. And it, it's, it's been a difficult thing for me to, to go if I have a bad night and it's not going well, um, just to, just to take a little bit of time and, and not beat myself up over it so much. Just reflect what could I have done better? You know, um, not you're terrible. You should have known this. You should have been able to do this, but Okay, I missed a few things. I, I, I'll tighten up for tomorrow. It'll be okay, and then and then move on and get yeah. better and and learn and grow and stop. Just beat myself up to the point where I don't want to get behind the console again because yeah. that's that's ridiculous too. I think God put me in a position to know how to do this, to mix well, and to do this for for the people of the church. And yeah. the idea of just like, well, I had a bad night. I'm going to quit, or I beat myself up so much that now it's a year or two down the road, and instead of growing and getting better and learning and and refining, I'm stagnated because I keep thinking I can't do this and I sure. haven't grown in, in, in years and years. I'm just being hypothetical, but I haven't grown in years and years. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm just not getting any better than this. I'm just going to quit. And you're just done. 
And it all starts from like how you're how you treat yourself in your failure points. Yeah. Because we have failure points. And even in the reality, you knew you had actually grown. You didn't sit stagnant for years and years. You yeah. were growing. If you were trying, you were growing. Yeah. And I was being hypothetical. No, like if, yeah. if I if I would have done that rather than finding good people that could, could encourage me, could sure. teach me, could help me. And then just if I have a bad mix, man, that that didn't feel good. You know, I'll listen back. We'll figure out a place, a couple places will tighten up. We'll I'll get it better. Yeah. You know, it'll it'll be okay. You know, nobody's gonna die over it. You know, yeah, and yeah. and in continuing to grow in it, and it, it it hits me in today's society too. It's interesting with a lot of people. You know, the thing to do would be graduate high school, go to college, and you go into a class and you have the class for a semester. There's about three tests or something that are key to passing or failing. And if you don't pass or fail, you're done, and you're fearful of failing because it's over at that point. And I wish sometimes, and I think as a society, we're moving back to trade schools and trades. And you think about before schools and traditional universities, you really just inherited whatever your father did. Even Jesus was a carpenter. You start min- interning underneath whoever that master of that skill is. And they know over time, you're going to continually be learning. You're going to continue to fail at it. And you're slowly going to get better and learn it. But you have to try. You have to set out on the journey. And even you said, it's the journey, not the destination. But the key word of that is that it's the journey. You have to step out. And we were even talked about on earlier ones. Am I moving or am I waiting? And some of it, I think we're just over, over uh, com- complexity, over um, overthinking what that mission is. And sometimes it just is around you. Like even said, if you don't, if you want to learn what your mission is, first look at the people around you and what can you help? And it's not the people of China of Ukraine that may be that calling in some point, but maybe it's just your neighbor. Maybe it's the person next to you in the fast food restaurant. That literally may be the community that you need to be involved in and present in that you're pouring into. Um, but- because if you put it, if you put it as like the I've got a like God's laid in my heart to be a missionary in China, and you have no idea how to get there, and you start, you know, maybe trying or something or failing or this or that. And you've built this big thing up into your mind, your mind that you have to get to this destination. Yeah, it's a lot easier to kind of beat yourself up rather than just okay, God, that's that's great. Thank yeah. you for laying that in my heart. I it, let's you know show me how to get there. What do we need to do? And just kind of resting in His presence and letting Him work and yeah. get you to that destination rather than you trying to work and you trying to get there and making it about your kingdom instead of His. Man, uh, talk about a, a quick road yeah. to just smacking into a wall and and going where in the world. Well, and I mean, having faith that if it's in the plumb line of scripture, yours and his are probably pretty the same. You know that you have to have faith that the journey you're on, if it passes muster of scripture and where that path is, that people overthink it. I mean, and that's what we're even going back to today is that the thought and overthinking and and how you're speaking to yourself and of yourself. And that's where we need to be about is meditating in scripture, challenging you in prayer to say, Lord, am I speaking to myself in a way that you would have me speak to myself? Because I want to be your best warrior uh, for you. I was reading just a book earlier about David. And first of all, all the way to the battlefield with David and Goliath. And he was, he showed up and he was just a courier. He showed up with some stuff and he volunteered himself to, to his master to say, hey, do you want me to fight Goliath? And it was kind of a giggle. And he said, why would I giggle? I've fought off lions and bears from the sheep. 
if one took them away, I would go after them, said I would hit them and grab them by the hair and subdue them. I've never grabbed a bear or a lion by the hair. The thought of just being the vicinity to do that blows my mind. But how confident he was, not in fear, but in faith, that the Lord that guided him through the bear and the lion could guide him through that. So he shows up into battle with five stones. It's kind of an interesting thought to me to say, I think the Lord chooses the smallest to make it a point that it can only be God that helped yeah, two men. It wasn't glory. like his way to glorify yeah. that. But I had a weird thought as I was reading it too to think God, it could have been a psychological thing with God because he didn't put on the armor. And I always kind of wondered, we always see Goliath with his helmet on, but I was like, man, wouldn't that have been a cool story that went since, you know, like there's like this challenge of like, oh, you want to go? Okay, well, you see in these battle scenes where they'll shed their shields and the other guy sheds the shields. <laughs> yeah. And maybe he took the shield that was on his forehead off and that's where the rock hit him was because he took the shield off because yeah, David it's, showed it's up. Not it was there, a weird but thought. It, it, could, I, hey, it wasn't in yeah. there. I like <laughs> this side of like, Gee, God, way to go, man. You yeah. kind of psyched him out <laughs> yeah. to get him to take that helmet off. The metal was strong, but the yeah. forehead was dense. Yeah. <laughs> um, but how he went from that all the way to for Saul, and then Saul later on wanted to kill David and tried to assassinate him a couple times. And so much so that they sent him and 3,000 able-bodied men to chase him. And in the Bible, I love the humor of the Bible, Saul was relieving himself in a sheep pen, which was a cave. And the, he didn't know it, but David and his men were hiding in the back of the cave. And while Saul was relieving himself, uh, David snuck up behind him and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And Saul went out and he came out and lay prostrate on the ground, it says, the Bible says, and said, Saul, forgive me. First of all, he felt bad for cutting the corner of his robe. That was He felt so bad for harming his master. But to have so much faith and not having fear in those moments to step out in that. And, and even that's the same, that is the same man that wrote even to believe written in Psalms where, let's see here, it says, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And that's where I think it takes us back to is our ultimate victory, salvation in, in the Lord. So as we go about our day, whether it be in business or with family or just daily lives, why don't we step out and shed those thoughts? So we got to have one of those moments. And they do that in like motivational things where Tony Robbins, especially his hands are like five of my hands put together it's and he'll dude. clap, <laughs> clap those hands yeah. right in front of, like right by his uh, mic where it just makes you jump. And it's the whole point is to reset your brain, to get your attention because our brains get in what we've talked about here, these neural pathways to where they're just deep ruts of decisions and we don't even notice them anymore. It just happens. But what if we changed our way of thinking? What if we refocused ourselves to say, hey, what words am I saying? What thoughts am I thinking about myself? Because if I'm a vessel for the Lord and I'm made in his image, why would I not be attentive to how those thoughts are? And let's change them. And let's say, hey, I'm capable of doing amazing things. I may not know how to do this, but the Lord gave me two able feet and I'm going to move towards it. God said he'd feed the birds of the air, but he didn't say he'd put the food up in the nest. They had to get out and work for it. And so do I. Maybe I just need to try again. Instead of thinking in this perfectionist society of social media where we see images of other people where they th we think they got it right immediately and they didn't try and fail a few times, that it's incapable of learning and learning wisdom because that's what Solomon prayed for wisdom. 
and he was giving it to him. It was given it abundantly. And so one of the wisest men to have ever walked this earth, even in historical books, Egyptians, one of the Egyptian princes, I believe, went, there's historical data, non-biblical of meeting Solomon um, and how wise he was in those things. For us, wisdom comes from failure and learning. So how can we forgive ourselves for the mistakes we made, forgive our past, forgive our parents sometimes for the way they've shaped us into thinking and go to scripture and learn how he wants us to think and look to that. And if we do that, I think ultimately we'll be in a better road uh, to be better Christians and better stewards for him. I just had a thought popping in my head, but if, if God forgave us, why can't we forgive ourselves? Yeah. You know, if, if God forgave us for the things we screwed up on, we should stop beating ourselves up because he already forgave us. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. I love Pastor Steve saying, as far as the east is from the west, if you go in the, on earth, you can go to the north pole and the south pole. There's the farthest north and the farthest south. You can get, if you go too far north, you're going to start going south again. So there's an extreme. But east and west, there is no eastern nor western pole. So it's a point, even Jesus said, that as far as the east is from the west, that's an eternal stretch. Yeah, I, that's, that's a cool thought. That's as far away God is to our sins. And so, yes, we need to learn from them. Yes, we need to gain wisdom, but we need to get ourselves up speak positively to ourselves, think, think that I could maybe succeed and, and then keep moving forward. There's just so much in our lives where you're limiting yourselves of experiences that you could do because you just worry you're going to fail. And usually the fear of the unknown is way worse even than the reality of the situation, even in detrimental moments. But even if we take it to the extreme that the worst thing happens, we leave this earth and we get to be with our eternal savior forever. I wish we had more of a grip on how amazing that thought is. So I hope that helped you today. Um, Thank you as always for being a part of this conversation. Um, We'll bring more to you every couple weeks. Thank you for uh, liking it. The folks that have shared this with other people, uh, we're forever grateful uh, for that time. And the time you gave gave me today is just uh, heartwarming and I'm humbled by it. 